Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, it is six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. Program 427 in the series. It's October 5th. It's Saturday. And you know what, Lisa Wolf, my co-host? What, Carl? We are going to begin our Halloween programming. It is October. Somehow, someway, it's October. We are going to have three scary radio shows tonight. Then we have a uh, Great Gildersleeve Halloween show tomorrow, along with Obsession. But every single weekend until the end of October, we will have scary and Halloween-oriented programs Right here on WGN Radio Theater. We know how to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. And we're going to play our game, Cat's Pride, Guess Guess That that Song. song. And that's exactly what we are going to do, Guess That Song. We are going to be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. Wow. that's always a great gift. Yes, it and is. the first uh, hour, our songs are from 1972. Um, and, it was a um, very good year. It was a good year for music. And um, hopefully you're going to appreciate these songs because it's really important to me that you validate me. All um, right. So we're going to look for caller number four. Call right now, 312-981-7200. And we'll be right back. Guess that song. We're going to guess that song. We're going to play the game. We've got Bill on the phone to uh, do just that. Hey, Bill. Hi. Hi. I'm great. How are you? So far, so good. Good. Well, I think you're going to be even greater now because you've already won a pizza, but we're going to hear a song from 1972. Just a very short snippet. Let's hear that right now. All right, Bill. What do you? Hey, Bill. How are you? It's Carl. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I can't think of a name. I, it sounds familiar, though. I just. Mm, I know. I kind of. Ah, I'm trying to think. Who is that, Lisa Wolf? We don't know who it is. All right. Let's listen to more and see if we can figure it out. Can we listen to more? I don't hear it. Um, I don't know. She said, bah, bah, bah. I don't know. What is it? What's the song? Lisa doesn't know the song. Wait a minute. So we're playing a song that we don't know what it is? Um, this isn't the one I expected to play. I know this is Eric Clapton, but I'm oh, not sure Oh, it's Eric Clapton. That's right. Are we shot the sheriff down or something like that? Is this... Shanti, is oh, this no, our one on Saturday? I shot the sheriff? Yeah. That's right. I shot the sheriff. Bill's got it. Bill worked it out. All right. We have another song. Let's play another song. Okay. Let's do that. And just, you know, that song was written and originally recorded by Bob Marley in 1973. Oh, it sounds like a Bob Marley song. All right. Let's go with the second song. 
Oh, I know this song. All right, I know this one. one. I know this one. Don't say it. Don't say it. Mm, uh, ABC the love. No, something. Do the locomotion with me. It is. It's. That's exactly what it is. Let's hear it. Do the locomotion. That's close. That's Grand Funk Railroad, The Locomotion, and that was originally recorded by Little Eva in 1962. Her version was also a U.S. number one hit. Okay. So these were actually 1974 songs. Ah, Bill Bill, won a pizza. Bill, you are the big winner here. You have won. We had had the wrong song queued up. That's okay. We're we're all good. good. It's all good. Lou Elnati's is what you've won. $25 gift card. That's our favorite pizza. Lou Elnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Find one of their 40-plus Chicago Land locations, or you can order online at com. Thank you so much for playing the game, Bill. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Bill. Thank you so Appreciate Thank it, you. buddy. All right, he's a, uh, he's a big winner. He's got a pizza coming his way. You are tuned to the WGN Radio Theater. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning playing your favorite classic radio shows. Our text in line is 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. In our first episode, Lisa, Peter Laurie stars on suspense and we put a picture of peter laurie up and a bunch of people said peter laurie looked like me yeah or you look like him one well, or the other i guess i would have to look like so peter what laurie. do you think carl is he your twin gosh i hope i don't look like peter laurie well, he's not a bad looking guy that picture was pretty handsome that we put up really now lisa <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's a compliment I'm turning into peter laurie i think oh i think not <laughs> mm. so we have a suspense episode for you now starring peter laurie of course suspense was Radio's greatest series of high adventure and mystery came to radio in 1942, lasted all the way to 1962, so 21 years on the air. Billed as radio's outstanding theater of thrills. The biggest stars in Hollywood appeared on Suspense, including stars like Cary Grant and Orson Welles and Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre. He is the star of Till Death Do Us Part. Let's go back to December 15th, 1942. Here's part one now of Suspense. Suspense. Tonight, Columbia brings you as a guest star, Peter Lorre, one of the screen's past masters of the art of suspense. Suspense is compounded of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure. In this series are stories calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation, and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. Tonight, for instance, Mr. Laurie plays for us a doctor, a husband, with something dark and terrible on his mind. Was it murder? And if so, can this at last be the really perfect crime? We trust that while you are wondering, we shall keep you in... Suspense. For Suspense tonight, CBS presents Till Death Do Us Part by John Dixon Carr, starring Peter Lorre. Late one night in December of 1941, a man and his wife 
sat beside the fire in their country cottage. This man, look at him. A professor of mathematics, stout and middle-aged, guileless as a child. <laughs> in the remote corner of England where he lives with his pretty English wife, they say of him... Jolly decent fellow, you know, for a foreigner. Isn't he? Always a smile for everybody and so polite. That's why it's such a shame about his wife and that young American. There hasn't been anything between them yet, I'm almost sure. But if the American stays here much longer... Shh, I tell you. A happy man, this Professor Kraft. His cottage in the country is rather isolated. Three miles from the nearest house. No electricity or central heating or telephone. And on December nights like this, a great wind comes rushing off the Sussex Downs. It rattles at the windows, growls in the chimney, and makes unsteady the oil lamp on the table. Professor Irwin Kraft sits before the fire in a snug book-lined room. And across from him, sewing, sits his young wife, Cynthia. A domestic scene. A very domestic scene. Oh, my pet, this is wonderful, isn't it? Oh, so nice and cozy. <laughs> ah, how I enjoy our little home. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be indoors on a night like this, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Did my darling have a good day? Just about as usual. No adventures, huh? Not exactly. I walked into the village. Walked? Oh, I really blame myself for burying you out here. I ought to get your car. That's not necessary, thanks. Come now, come. Did something happen to upset my little pet today? No, no, no. You know, darling, I look at you and I marvel. You marvel at what? At a wife who can actually blush. Yes. With a skin so fair and a conscience so transparent that she can actually blush. I wasn't blushing about... About what? About anything you might be thinking. <laughs> it's your horrible habit of putting everybody else in the wrong. Oh, but the neighbors don't think that about Papa Croft. The neighbors don't have to live with you. I do. And you mustn't scratch either. Not when we are so snug here, so cozy, and a kettle on a fire is nearly boiling, and the rum is ready, and the lemon juice, and the sugar for her medicine. Oh, and must I drink that stuff? I don't like rum. But you have a cold, darling. I haven't got a cold, really, I haven't. Now, darling, twice today I heard you cough. Now, you are going to take your medicine, Cynthia, and take it here and now, and not offend your clumsy old husband by refusing. Why do you keep on treating me like a girl of 16? I love to treat you like that, Cynthia, because... Uh, because I cannot fathom your thoughts. You lock up your thoughts. And that is a dangerous English habit. You see, thoughts accumulate and won't be stifled. And sooner or later, when you least expect it... Well, look out. The kettle's boiling over. So it is. Oh, and please, lift it down from there. Of course, of... I apologize. I apologize, my darling. There. For a 
second, you know. You almost frightened me. Huh? <laughs> I frightened you? I suppose it's foolish. Well, here we are, my dear. Here we are. Now, see, I put two tumblers on the coffee table. And now, a spoon in each so that the heat doesn't crack them. I oh, dear, must you give me so much rum? Can't I have the small one? But we have to cure that cold of yours, Cynthia. <laughs> now comes the lemon juice. Yes. And now comes hot water to the top. <laughs> Here we are. And two lumps of sugar for each of us. There you are, darling. Now let's drink up, huh? Owen, listen. I didn't hear anything. I did. It it came from that cupboard over there. It sounded like your accordion. Oh, that's nonsense, darling. That's nonsense. There. There it is again. Well, that's only the wind. Or, or perhaps a rat that got into the cupboard. Owen, I'm terrified of rats. Go and kill it. Would you mind? Oh, you really sit very heavy labors, my sweet, for one of my weight. Well, well, if you insist, all right. Well, I'll take a good heavy poker from the fireplace. And, of course, it means a little trip through the cupboard. Owen, never mind. You haven't changed your mind, have you? It'd probably run out across the floor. Come back. Wouldn't run very far, I'm sure. Well... <laughs> Again, if you insist. I can't think what's the matter with me tonight. No? No. You're sure nothing upset you in the village today, huh? Certainly not. How about uh, this young American? That uh, fledgling doctor, what's his name? You mean Dr. Craig? That's it, Dr. Craig. Dr. Craig. Didn't someone say he was leaving today for London and, and then back to the States? I believe so. That's what Lady Randolph told me. And you didn't say goodbye to him? Certainly not. Well, that wasn't kind of you, darling. That wasn't friendly. What's the matter? Don't you like my nice hot rum drink? No. But you'll give me no peace till I do drink it. That's right, darling. That's right. Now, take it down like a good girl. I'm keeping you company. See? Oh, how pretty she looks. With her yellow hair in the firelight. And her red mouth. And her light little hands. Very pretty. Oh, uh, there is just one other thing, Cynthia. I, I gave you a letter to post this afternoon. Did you post it? Yes. Registered? Yes. And uh, did you notice to whom the letter was addressed? <laughs> Everybody notices the address on an envelope. It was to Sir Mr. Hatherby at Market Shepherd. That's right. But I don't know who he is, if that's what you mean. Oh, Mr. Hatherby is, uh, is the coroner of this district. A coroner? That's right. That's right. But is there any reason why you should be writing letters to the coroner? Well, <laughs> there will be tomorrow morning. We have been just drinking poison, my love. Why do you drop your glass, darling? <laughs> I don't believe you. No? <laughs> uh, this will interest you, Cynthia. You were a trained nurse, and weren't you? Uh... You see, the poison was aconite. It monks you. No. Yes, 
homegrown in our own little garden. You know, one sixteenth of a grain has been a fatal dose. There's no telephone here. No car, not even a neighbor. Exactly, my angel. Take your hands off me. Let me get up. No, my Let pet. Me. In about five minutes, you see, the, the first symptoms will come on. Symptoms? Yes. Our throats will grow dry. <laughs> our eyesight will turn dim. No. And presently, we'll lose the use of our limbs. Well, there are convulsions before the end, I believe, but we won't feel them. Let me up. If... If you try to hit at me, Angel, you'll upset that lamp. And, well, if you upset the lamp, this cottage would go up like tinder. We don't want to burn to death, do we? Erwin, why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? Why? Do you think all Papa Kraft is blind, my pet? Huh? If I can't have you, Cynthia, nobody else is going to have you. You mean Jim Craig? So it is, Jim Craig. That was nothing. My tongue slipped. A cynic would say, my dear, that your foot slipped. Do you think I don't know what happened the other night at the schoolhouse? schoolhouse? Yes, the Market Shepherd Schoolhouse. At Lady Randolph's little concert in aid of the war relief. Nothing happened. I swear it didn't. No? No. Oh, then it was coincidence, I suppose, that you and that Dr. Craig didn't arrive until the concert was nearly over. Yes. Yes, it was. We didn't go there together. No? We met in the little hall outside the auditorium. It was just as you were finishing your number on the accordion. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh. It's so dark here I almost bumped into you. Isn't that Mrs. Craig? Yes. Good evening, Dr. Craig. We... We seem to be late. Very late, I'm afraid. I... I was detained on a case. Then I didn't feel like coming here at all. Oh, well, just a moment before I open that door for you. Won't it look a little funny, our arriving here together? Funny? Why should it? I, no reason at all, only... Cynthia, listen to me. Do you know, Dr. Craig, that's the first time you've ever called me by my first name. I did want to have a word with you somehow. Of course, you've heard the news. What news? Well, on the radio for the past couple of days. Oh, we're too far out to get much news, and my husband isn't interested. He isn't interested? He isn't interested in anything but himself. I'd rather you didn't talk that way about my husband. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you push the door open a little? Lady Randolph is saying something. I'm sure we've all enjoyed our friend Professor Croft's musical numbers on the accordion. And the vicar's conjuring tricks. <laughs> and little Miss Linshaw's spirited recitation. It only remains for me to tell you that the collection for this little entertainment will amount to the... Well, yes, Colonel Thompson, what is it? Colonel Thompson's going across the platform in rather a hurry. Looks like an announcement of some kind. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention. We have just received some late news by the nine o'clock bulletin. I think I can guess what it is. Following yesterday's declaration against Japan, the Congress of the United States today declared war against Germany and Italy. No applause, please. I think I can say that these things go too deep for applause. We entered a war lightly. 
and we have learned. But before the vicar ends this meeting, I shall ask the orchestra to play us the song numbered 83 in the book, a song we know is dear to the hearts of all Americans. <laughs> All right, that's the first portion of Till Death, Do Us Part, starring Peter Lorre on Suspense. Uh, in that supporting cast, Mercedes McCambridge on there. John Dixon Carr wrote this story, a really uh, great episode of Suspense. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. All right, after news, we'll come back and play the conclusion to this Peter Lorre broadcast of Till Death, Do Us Part on Suspense. Then a little later... It is Escape, starring Ted DeCorsia from 1953, then Murder by Experts, with its Luck That Counts, starring Leslie Woods. All kinds of Halloween programs throughout the course of October. All right, we are listening to Suspense. You know, Suspense, Lisa, on the air for so long, and uh, it was one of the first shows that I ever heard that got me interested in classic radio. Because oh, you were hooked. I heard a suspense episode called On a Country Road, yep. starring Cary Grant, and he was uh, on this lonely road driving with his wife. Yes, I know the, the car. Show. The car yeah. runs out of gas, and there's like this woman with a meat cleaver that escaped from the... She reminded me a lot of you. Yeah, that sounds you know, like something I would do. She uh, escaped from a, uh, an insane asylum. Right, right, like which me. Is, yeah. Same. And um, terrorizing them, and I was like, what is this? Because I had never heard... Classic radio shows. I was 12 years old, right? I grew up watching TV and uh, Wild Wild West and Batman and things like that. And all of a sudden, I'm listening to this classic radio show at a friend's father's house, and I was mesmerized by it. Did I say that already? Mesmerized? You did. That's okay. You know, maybe well, guess that's, what? you were mesmerized. I was mesmerized. Maybe that's why you are such a fan of suspense, because it was yeah. sort of your foray into classic radio. And my first radio show that I ever heard was a My Favorite Husband episode, and I remember the exact episode, and maybe that's why I have such an affinity toward that particular Plus, sh- you like Lucille Ball. I She's do, and there, I yeah. just was, like you say, spinning the dial and just came upon it one day, and I will never forget just sitting there in just in awe of her and this particular show right well i grew up on watching tv like there was a spot earlier for antenna tv which i watch all the time i, I love antenna too. tv because they have all the classic tv shows which goes perfect with us because we play all the classic radio I mean, shows you just heard that promo with why well, it was I great i dream a genie and uh, um, i can't remember um, what else is was on it there. dick van dyke I don't remember. I don't remember. We'll have to listen to the next one. All right, we will. But right now, we're listening to Suspense, Peter Laurie, starring Until Death Do Us Part from 1942. Here's the conclusion. Close the door, Cynthia. Jim, this doesn't affect you. Naturally, it does. You won't be leaving England. Probably in a very short time. They'll be needing doctors. But does a formal declaration of war make any difference? What does it mean to you? What does it mean? I I can't explain it, Cynthia. It's all in that song. If they're going to need me, I'll go back. But can't you do just as much good here in England? I don't know. That depends on what the army says. And doesn't anything depend on what I say? We haven't got much time, Cynthia. That crowd will be out in a minute. Yes. And we won't admit it, will we? Admit what? Admit how we feel about each other. I haven't said... Nor I. 
I was only talking about what we were thinking. No, we won't admit it. You say you can't explain about the war. I can't explain about this. Don't try. It's better this way. Erwin's been very good to me. And he's such a childlike person. Yes, everybody likes him. Oh, he has his tempers and he's not easy to live with sometimes, in spite of what they think. But I can't do anything to hurt him, because he'd never do anything to hurt me. Never, never, never in the world. A very fair estimate of my character, too. That's exactly what I said about you. So you are in love with that fellow? I admit it now. Yes. Tell me, darling, do you feel anything yet? Feel anything? I mean, uh, dryness, muscular contraction of the throat. Yes. Oh, I thought so. I won't die. And, I won't. And how do you propose to stop yourself? Your only chance would be to reach the village infirmary. And I'll see to it that you don't get there. But what if the poison takes you before it takes me? Then you can't stop me. But it won't, darling. You seem terribly sure of that. You see, the amount I gave you, as you perhaps noticed, was more than I gave myself. I'm going to follow you, my little pet, into the dark. Where there are no Dr. Jim Craig's. But not too quickly. I shall still have most of my faculties, Cynthia, when your convulsions are already beginning. Oh. I wonder if you will. Why do you say that? Your legs don't seem any too steady. Uh, I don't know. It must be the heat of uh, the fire, perhaps, or it's very hot in this room. Cynthia, Cynthia, darling, listen to me. Yes, Erwin? There... There is a copy of, uh, of Taylor's medical jurisprudence on the, there, over on the shelf there. Please, uh, please get it for me. I'm afraid you'll have to get it for yourself, my dear. That is, if you can. Oh, uh, I'll get it. Uh, I'll... Mind the lamp, Irwin. We don't want the house afire, just as you said yourself. I'll mind the lamp. Uh, listen to me. You know, some people's systems are intolerant to poisons. They, they experience in minutes what ought to take hours. Does it hurt, Erwin? Does it hurt? Yes. But you'll find out soon enough, my pet. Because, because you'll never make three miles to the village. Never. You think not? I know it. And, and just remember, I, I shall be waiting. Waiting? Out in the dark and cold, where there is neither marriage nor giving in in marriage. I'll be waiting for my little pet to come and join me. I hate you. I loathe you. 
I'm afraid of you. But I don't want you to die because of me. And, and yet, you are dead, Irwin. But I'm not going to join you. I've never prayed much, Irwin, but I'm praying now. Whatever comes over my wits and makes my senses weak, give me strength enough to get to the village. Just give me strength enough to get to the village. An empty room now, except for the motionless figure by the fire. The great wind enters through an open front door and makes the lamp shake dangerously on the tables. The whole house creaks. Otherwise, it is very quiet. Suddenly, the corpse sits up. Professor Kraft looks pleased, doesn't he? Very pleased. Very alert as he moves over to a certain cupboard door. <laughs> well, and now I think the real fun can begin. <laughs> patience, 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 my friend, while I open the cupboard door. <laughs> well, there we are. I hope you haven't been too uncomfortable, Dr. James Craig. I'm all right, thanks. So you managed to get the gag out of your mouth, huh? I managed it, yes, just now. <laughs> I'm too late. Well, you are still securely tied up, I'm glad to see. You know, you gave me several very, very unpleasant moments, young man, when you, when you got your foot on that accordion. Did I? Well, Cynthia thought you were a rat and wanted me to kill you. You know, she shows very good sense sometimes. I could hear both of you talking. Thanks very much. Oh, of course, you could, of course. Excuse me, please. I, I forgot that. Yes, and I could see you, too, through a crack in the door. Well, you were intended to see us. But now, come on. First of all, I'll drag you out of here. Yes, now, let me take you. Yes. <laughs> now we can sit down and have a nice... Cozy little chat, huh? How much aconite did you give Cynthia? How much? Oh, about uh, two grains. Two, two grains? Well, then she can't possibly... No, she can't possibly live until morning. But she can live long enough to testify that she saw me die. And how much poison did you take yourself? I? None. None at all? No, none at all. But you mixed those drinks out of the same materials I saw you do it. Well, but there wasn't any poison in the rum, young man. You see, two lumps of sugar steeped in aconite were dropped into Cynthia's glass. I marked them, and I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> Can you see the beginnings of Papa Kraft's plan? Why, you... You see, uh, Cynthia left the door open, my friend. And there is a very strong wind blowing tonight. Well? Just observe how it lifts the table covers, flutters the magazines, makes the lamp tremble. I shouldn't be surprised, you know, if, uh, if one of those lamps blew over. A fine crash in a sheet of flame. Huh? <laughs> and when they come here tomorrow morning 
After Cynthia's testimony in my letter to the coroner, they'll expect to find at least a, at least a few charred bones among the ruins. And of course, they must find some remains. Whose remains? Yours. <laughs> yes, you've got me tied up pretty well, haven't you? And now, you see... <laughs> now comes the best. You were last seen going towards the railway station, to London, and then to America. Nobody, nobody will inquire after you. Except Cynthia. That's right, except Cynthia, who will be dead. That I waylaid you and brought you here while Cynthia was in a village will not be known to our good coroner, and I shall disappear. What do you think of it, young man, huh? I think it's rather good, huh? You're... You're going to let me burn to death? Yes, and I shall enjoy the necessity. By the way, too bad you missed my performance at Lady Randolph's concert. It was very nice. But then uh, I think you were otherwise occupied. You could call it that? Occupied, I think, in making love to my wife. You hurt my vanity, young man. And you are going to suffer for it. I never made love to your wife. No? No. But I don't suppose you could possibly believe that. Are you already begging for mercy? Now, come on, now, come on. Are you begging for mercy? No, I think not. Dr. Craig, I don't like the way you are taking this. I really don't. Don't you? No. You ought to be afraid. All decent men should be afraid. And no man is heroic when he sees death coming. But you are as white as a plate. Can't take your eyes off me. And you seem to be expecting something. Maybe I am expecting something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I can persuade you to tell me what's on your mind, my friend. If I use the poker out of the fire, huh? You see, you see, I'm a mathematician. I leave nothing to chance. Do you hear that, Professor Kraft? A car has stopped out in front. Well, they won't come in here. But of course they will. It's probably the home guard. Look, you fool, you've left the front door standing wide open in a blackout. Don't be childish. Do you think to upset me with that? Something's upset you. Take a look at yourself in a mirror. Huh? Nothing. Nothing can upset my plans now. Everything is ready. My clothes and my money are in a stable. This place, this pretty little cottage, will be a furnace. All I have to do is... <laughs> All I have to do is pick up that lamp... You see, like this, and something is wrong with me. Oh, you're not acting this time, are you? You're not pretending now. You, you swine. What have you done to me? I have done nothing. You, you have done something to me. I, I can feel it. There, there is sweat all over me. My, my throat is choking. You say that, Randall. Through the gate and up the path. That, that sounded like, like my wife's voice. It was Cynthia's voice. What is wrong with you? A person would think you were drunk. I'm sorry, Lady Randall. Stopping me in the road and asking to be taken to the infirmary at 80 miles an hour. And then finding there was nothing wrong with you. But, but it can be. It, it isn't possible. Oh, but it is. You see, your plans didn't include the fact that Cynthia doesn't like rum. Mm. Remember, you poured a very large drink for her and a small one for yourself. Uh, yeah. And you filled both glasses with hot water. Yeah. Oh, remember, when she got 
Got you to leave her, come over to this cupboard? Yes. She changed the glasses then. You're the one who swallowed the poison, two grains of aconite. No. No. Help me. Please. Help me. Nothing on earth can save you. Help me, please. In the name of... Please, please. Please help me. Nothing on earth can save you. Please. No. You won't. Then... And then I'll show you. I'll... I'll take you with me. I'll take everybody with me. Where are you going? I'll... I'll get that lamp. I'll take you with me. I look at you. You can't even see. You're blind. You're staggering straight into that cupboard. I'll... I'll take you. I'll take you with me. I'll... Jim. Jim, what are you doing here? Come in, Cynthia. Come in and take a look at the man who died twice. So ends Till Death Do Us Part. Starring Peter Lorre. Tonight's story of... Suspense. Mr. Lorre was starred as Professor Kraft. He was supported by Alice Frost as Cynthia, David Gothard as Dr. Craig, and Mercedes McCambridge as Lady Randolph. William Spear, the producer, John Dietz, the director, Bernard Herman, the composer-conductor, and John Dixon Carr, the author, are collaborators on... Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. There you have it. That's Suspense from December 15th, 1942. You were talking about getting into the war. We were just in the war basically one year in 1942 in December because we entered the war in December of 1941. Um, So kind of a period piece there. Very interesting. And... You heard Peter Laurie as the star. Mercedes, he, he said Mercedes. Mercedes. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, Mercedes. I heard that. Um, maybe some, yeah, Smith Smythe, right? Mm, maybe. Mercedes? I, I, I I've know. always said Mercedes. You know what? You're probably wrong. But probably I'm probably right. wrong. I'm going to go right. with that. I'm probably wrong, wrong is, is right. right. But Mercedes McCambridge did a lot of radio. She did a lot of radio broadcasting. She was uh, worked with Arch Obler a lot on Lights Out. Mm-hmm. And she's best known today as being the voice of the demon in the movie The Exorcist. Right. Yeah. So yeah. she was uh she she did all that. And you know what? I read that she was uncredited and she was fine with it until the movie came out and was a big success and then she went to after and said, you know, I want them to reverse that. And they had to reverse it. That's right, they did. And put her name in Good. the in the credits. Good for her. That's right. Good Mercedes. Her. Bernard Herman doing the uh, music on there. For years he was the uh, music composer for Suspense and he did a lot of the music for uh Alfred Hitchcock in all of his movies. Uh Psycho, you know, he did the theme for that mm-hmm. and um he was married 
to Louise, uh, Lucille Fletcher, who wrote a lot of suspense episodes, including the most famous Sorry, Wrong Number, mm-hmm. which we've played here on yep. the WGN Radio Theater. Okay, it's a couple of commercials. We'll be back with more of our Halloween programming all throughout October on the WGN Radio Theater. <laughs> if you are a fan of classic radio, you might want to think about joining the Classic Radio Club. It's a club that we formed for fans of classic radio where they can get 10 shows sent to them each and every month. But they're not just 10 regular classic radio shows, Lisa. No, they are not. They are approved by you and me. <laughs> each month, we choose the best we of the best. We choose the best. But not only are they great, their sound quality is amazing because they're direct from the 16-inch transcription disc. Then Mike Estella, engineer extraordinaire, he does his no-noise uh, and uh, equalization, and they just sound incredibly They They great. sound like they could have been recorded today, which yep. is truly remarkable. Yep. Every single show you will get as part of the Classic Radio Club is uncut, unedited, and sounds amazing. Plus, I write very copious liner notes for every single show, and you get 10 shows sent to you each and every month. And you know what's exciting as well? We play a lot of the classics that you know and love the things we play here is suspense and 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 gunsmoke and and dragnet dragnet and my favorite husband all those but there are some hidden gems that we put in there that we may or may not play here things you may or may not have heard of and honestly this will open up a whole new world for you it's kind of like an aladdin thing it's a, it's a whole new world <laughs> a whole new Uh-oh. world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm trying I, to I, get a, I, i'm trying to get a vocal contract somewhere you know i could coach you yeah i could be your vocal coach <laughs> <laughs> i charge a lot but but here, <laughs> there's two ways you can get the shows. You can get them digitally sent to you. So you get 10 shows uh, in your inbox of your email and uh, just click on a link and the links never expire. Or you can get 10 shows on five CDs in a collector case. And that collector case has uh, pictures of the stars on there. It's pretty cool. And it changes every every single month. So the best thing to do is go to the website, learn all about it, ClassicRadioClub.com. Or we have a toll-free number. You can call it. It's 888-642-6556. All right. We hope that you'll check it yeah, out. Yeah, I think the, the best way, because you can just go to the website. I think so. And everything is there, ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, Lisa, are you ready to play... Guess that song. <laughs> it's kind of a parody of Name That too. Now that we put our own spin on it, guess that song. In this hour, we will have Escape, and then in our next hour, Murder by Experts. We're celebrating Halloween all month here on the WGN Radio Theater, but at the first part of each hour, we play our game, sponsored by Cat's Pride. Right, guess that song. We are going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station, brought to you by American Weathermakers. And uh, this uh, song is going to be from 1974, this whole e- Evening actually will be 1974 songs. And um, this is an interesting song, actually, um, in conjunction with the show we just played. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're going to do that. We're going to look for caller number two. Call right now at 312-981-7200. Play the game, and we'll be right back. I will gladly. That song. Pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Yes, I remember. Yes, I remember. Of course. (laughs) <laughs> of course. I'm not the hamburger gal. I'll take a I veggie know, burger, an impossible burger, or a Beyond Burger. <laughs> 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 We've got a Paul on the phone. Hey, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hey. Hi, how are you? What's up, buddy? Great, how are you? All right. 
Oh, very good. Terrific. Well, well we have the right song queued up this time. Well, we'll we're see. not going to no. mess up. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you are already a winner, um, but we're going to play uh, the song, and we're going to have a little fun first. This song is from 1974. We're going to play a couple seconds right now. I have no idea. You do know this Paul, song. Paul, do you know do that you know song? That, that is... Uh, Billy, don't be a hero. You are, abs- wow. you are absolutely right. Let's you hear it. You know what? <laughs> smartest, smartest listeners in all of radio. I want to hear that Listen song. to this station. I stood, I saw she was crying. This is a great song, Remember it now. It's a, now that we played the whole chorus, so uh, I know are, it now that Paul told me. Uh, this is a song about a guy who goes off to war, uh-huh. and despite his fiance's pleas to stay safe, he volunteers for this dangerous mission, and he gets killed. Aww. That's awful. But it, it was a very popular song in 1974. Bob, you know yours, 1974. Let's see how you do on the next one, Carl. I think even you are going to know this. Even one. me. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> no one gonna be like you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Carl says, "Oh yeah." Who is that, that, Paul? That's Harry Chapin. Yep. You are so good. Let's hear it. He's good. No, I'm gonna be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man alone. When you're coming home, that I don't know when. Can I just tell you? When I hear this song, it makes me very sad. This it song is, makes very me very touching. sad. It's very touching because you can relate. You've got Absolutely, a son. And yeah. you know what? They grow up too fast, and that's what Gosh, happened. He is, was busy. I can't even listen to this song. Are you crying? It makes me very sad. I see tears It does. In it makes eyes. me sad. It's a I very know. sad song. Don't cry. All right. Uh, this song is based on a poem that Harry's wife, Sandy, wrote. So he gets all the credit, but usually there's a, there's a smart wife behind every writer. <laughs> very true. So you are amazing, Paul, and you're a winner both. Yeah, you have won the desktop indoor weather station. It's brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60 Minute Men. I love my desktop indoor weather station. I use it every single Wish morning. I had one. I know you do. You can visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Carl, mine is for sale. <laughs> it's going to cost you. It's probably cost me, what, 20 times what you paid for it? Well, I, you know, I'm kind of special. I didn't have to pay for it, right. but it's worth a it's lot. It's used, so I have to pay more for it. That's Paul. right. That's well, how it's she, used by that's me. That's how she does. Makes it worth even more. <laughs> wow. Well, Paul, you really, uh, you. You, you rocked it, man. Yeah, Great thank job. you for being caller yeah. number two, and thanks so much for oh, calling and you. playing the game with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Take care, Paul. All right. Enjoy your uh, desktop weather station. I wish I had one. (laughs) I know. (laughs) They're going to have to, you know, work really hard, and maybe one day your ship will come in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all through October, we are playing kind of scary, classic radio shows. We will have some comedies, too, but they will have a Halloween theme like... um, um, let's see. Well, it is already Sunday. So Sunday, when we come back here, we have the Great Gildersleeve, and it's a oh, Halloween show. I know. And we have Obsession, which is really exciting because yeah, we've never we one. have never played one of these on WGN. No. So stay tuned for that uh, tonight. Absolutely. Um, so tonight, in this hour, we have an episode of Escape. Then in our third hour... We will play Murder by Experts. You're going to like that. And then when we come back, we will have, as Lisa said, The Great Gildersleeve and Obsession. But right now, it is time for Escape. Escape was radio's greatest series of high adventure. It came to radio 
in 1947 for seven seasons. And William Conrad, you remember William Conrad, right? Yeah, of course. He was canon. Yeah, of course. He was Nero Wolf. I watched him on canon. Yeah, he was the voice of Escape. And so was Paul Fries. He had another very deep voice, kind of a David Jennings and a right. Roger Baddish type voice. And uh, they were the voices of Escape. They often played roles in the episodes, too. And Suspense and Escape were very similar. They were like cousin shows. But um, Suspense had big stars, which where Escape usually did not have a big star, just had great supporting actors. So we're going to listen to an Escape episode now starring Ted DeCorsia from June 21st, 1953, called The Far Away Island, part one now of Escape. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape. Escape. Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are running from an unseen enemy, frightened and alone, living from day to day, while your pursuer, unrelenting and murderous, is gaining on you, ready to trap you in a place from which there is no escape. Listen now as Escape brings you Charles Smith's exciting story, The Faraway Island. Time is the important thing. If you don't know it now, you will when you've reached the 50 mark. That's why the money was so important. It would give me time. With it, I could return to a life I had lived six years before, during the war, on the island of Amoka. The tropical sun streamed into my room, making it impossible for me to sleep any longer. The morning breeze carried the heavy odor of rotten fish, and just outside I could hear the goats and chickens. This was Papiti. I'd been there five weeks, waiting, making sure I'd lost the man who had followed me from Boston. And now I was sure I had lost him, and in two days I would sail for Amoka. Man, get up. You promised to buy me breakfast. Don't let Mama Tita find you here. Oh, she knows I'm here. She told me where you were, and she said I might wake you. <laughs> Give me a cigarette. <laughs> How do you feel? Terrible. Hey. We shall have breakfast at Quinn's. And you can tell me more about your island. My island? Oui, you called it your island. I drink too much. Never listen to a man when he's under the influence. What else did I tell you last night? 
Oh, you talked of your son, a proud you are of him. It was all very boring. I'm sure. What else? Oh, nothing. Ah, it is going to be a lovely day. What else, Anise? You, you are in love, Adam. Sure I am, with you. No. What makes you so sure? You mentioned her name last night. It was enough. Just hearing the way you say her name. Look, you'd know about these things. Is it possible for a man to love a woman he hasn't seen in six years? If he has not seen her, he has had no reason to stop loving her. Now you get dressed. I'm hungry. I watched her leave the room and in watching compared her to Moeva of Amoka. The Moeva of six years ago, it was an unfair comparison. I swung my legs over the side of the bed, stood up, and half an hour later I was stirring my second cup of coffee. You said last night that you were going to leave Tahiti soon. Is that true, Adam? Yes, I've waited here long enough. I do not understand why you waited at all. If I love someone, I do not wait for anything. If I want to go someplace... More coffee, Anise. No, thank you. Adam, I will miss you very much. Could... Could you take me to this island with you? What? I would be no trouble, even if you do not love me. I, we could be friends. No, Anise. You'd find the island very dull. And after a while, you'd find me pretty dull, too. Oh, please, Adam. Mr. I... Adam! Mr. Adam. Oh, good morning, Joe. Oh. oh, I have been looking every place for you. The hotel, the docks, every place. Oh, what is it now? Mama Tita worried? She sent you to collect her bill? Mm. You Americans. What do you think of his money? Sometimes there are more precious things. Like what? Like a man's freedom. All right, you skinny little rat talk. Oh, put him down, Adam. You are choking you him. Put me down. Please, put me when down. When you talk. All right. I was not going to take money for this, but now... Here. All right. This morning, early, a ship docked. It has been taking on copra from the islands north of here. Go on. I was there at the docks and... Keep talking. This man, this American... I heard him asking questions. Where could he find the American who came here from Tongariva six weeks ago? What makes you so sure he was looking for me? The man he is seeking is tall. Very tall and very big. And he is about 50 years old. What did you tell him? Nothing, monsieur. I was sure you would appreciate it if I told him nothing. Anise... You still want to go out to that island? Oh, oui. There's a ship leaving today for Rarotonga. We'll be on it. The Gildan sat low in the water, its belly full of canned goods for the island. According to the shipping notice, it would sail at high tide. I made arrangements with the captain. Well, it is a very unusual request, Veneer. 
Meneer... Hamish, Adam Hamish. Uh, Meneer Hamish, uh, what you are asking me to do? Such a waste. It's my money. Well, I was not referring to the money. Uh, but very well, I will do it. Good. What time do we pass Morea, Captain? It will be close to midnight. You understand the girl is not to know. Yeah, I understand. I do not approve, but I understand. An hour later, we weighed anchor, and I saw Joe on the dock. He grinned at me and then scurried away, anxious to report back to the man who had hired him and get a few francs for the information that I had sailed with a niece for Rarotonga. Then the night came bright and clear, and it wasn't long before the great shadow that is Moray Island appeared off our port bow. Stop all engines! Are you ready, Mnir? Yes. Over here. You have not told the girl? No. That is wrong. I hope someday she meets you again. Maybe she will. Take care of her. See that she gets back safely, will you? You will have to hurry. We are too close to shore. Adam! Adam! Now, Mnir, get in. later, I boarded the only schooner that services Amoka. Five days out, we put in at another island to pick up a passenger. Then we put out to sea again. I was sitting on deck watching the purposes race alongside. Good morning, sir. Morning. Mind if I join you? No. I, uh, <laughs> I owe you an apology, you know. Huh? I've been staring at you. I hope you didn't notice. No. Tell me, is your name Hamish? Adam Hamish? Yes. I thought so. Uh, allow me to introduce myself. I'm Crawford, J.C.W. Crawford, Copper, Government Control. I was sure you were Hamish. This chap in Papiti last week described you so perfectly. Last, last week in Papiti? Yes, I flew down to catch the schooner. This fellow, what did he look like? Oh, uh, an American chap. Decent sort. Somehow I, I got the impression he'd just flown in from Rarotonga. I remember he said he'd been off on a wild goose chase looking for you. The ships that sail the southern waters usually carry a well-stocked armory. The skipper of this one liked rifles, liked them so much that he wouldn't part with one for less than $300. But for my purpose, it was worth the price. Good shooting. You hit him right forward to the dorsal fin. There's another over there, kid, ever try? <laughs> no, thanks. I'm a rotten shot. Uh, Captain says we'll be landing tomorrow. You intend staying on a mocha? Yes, I do. Good. I'll have someone to talk to when I come by every couple of months. Have you been there since the war? No, not since 44. Well, I hope you won't be disappointed. You know, when you Americans left, it seemed to take the heart out of the people. Have you ever lived on the island? Only for a bit in 
1949 it was. Do you... Did you ever know a woman called Maeva? Mm, no. Can't say that I did. Uh, native woman? Uh-huh. Oh, I see. Okay, we're listening to Escape from June 21st, 1953, called The Far Away Island, starring Ted DeCorsia, also in this cast. A whole bunch of radios row, as they used to call them, out of L.A. Uh, Tony Barrett, Edgar Barrier. We have Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian, Richard Peel, George Walsh announcing, and William Conrad doing the uh, voice of Escape. He would uh, show up with his uh, script, and they'd be like, okay, you're not in the episode, but we still need you to do that opening. He'd probably get paid as much as the rest of the people on there. And that's how you do it. It's <laughs> to be like, and that's now escape, <laughs> William Conrad. I had a friend who once walked into a bar. Was this a joke? No, this is true. <laughs> he told me that William Conrad was in the bar, right? And he saw William Conrad there, and he and he walked up behind him, and he said, uh, I'm that man, Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. And he turned around and he said, who the heck are you? You know, well, he's like, you know, how many ti- you know how many times I said that on the radio? And they started a yeah. conversation. William Conrad. Is that the whole story? <laughs> that's it. Huh? I think it's funny. He went up behind him and started. Yeah, you never go up behind somebody. That's a little scary said, these days. Start saying, you know, the line that he said on Gunsmoke for so many years. I thought it was interesting that he was Matt Dillon on radio, and yeah. then they got a completely different yeah. looking guy. I mean, James Arness was about is opposite of William yeah. Conrad in looks. Their voices were deep and, and right, but. James Arnaz was this like six six guy. William Conrad was like five five six. You know, I remember him well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. We're going on a cruise, Lisa. We are. We are going on a cruise. Yeah. Are we both going on a cruise? We're going, and we're hoping uh, a lot of our listeners will want to go. Are we going together? We are going. Yeah, we you're bringing going. your husband. I am. And who are you bringing? <laughs> I don't know who I'm bringing yet. Okay. A lucky, might, a lucky person. It might person. be just me in the room. It could be. Right? You never know. <laughs> you it's never possible. Know. Anyways, we are going to Bermuda. Yes. And we are going on Oceana Cruises, which is known for its luxury cruise lines, uh, for the food, for the entertainment, and... Um, yeah. And yeah, we're going for uh, seven days. Yep. We're leaving August 1st of 2020. And um, I cannot wait. This cruise ship has a casino and four restaurants and a world-class fitness center. And, yeah, and a it's spa. a classic radio cruise. It is a classic radio cruise. We're going to have a lot cruise. of fun talking about classic radio. So it's a really good combination of exploring Bermuda and having some classic radio Go fun Go to our website us. and look at the banner. It's all there. Or you can call Keen Luxury Travel. Right. Their number is 800-856-1155. It is 1234 here on a Sunday morning, and we are in the midst of listening to an episode of Escape. After Escape, we're going to listen to Murder by Experts. Then when we come back here at 11 o'clock tonight, Lisa. Yep. We have the great Gildersleeve. This is going to be a Halloween episode and a comedy. And we have Obsession, which is a brand new show for us here on WGN Radio. It's a brand new old time That's right. Exactly. It's a little oxymoron there. Yeah. Um, so I believe there are 72 episodes of Obsession. It was a syndicated program. 
in Chicago it aired on WBBM and uh, it ran on the CBS network. Um, so we actually have a broadcast that has the WBBM oh, wow. call letters on That's it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, Chicago. It was recorded here somewhere in Chicago on a transcription. So we're going to listen to that. Um, we also have all kinds of other scary radio shows throughout October, including Inner Sanctum, we have Lights Out, we have uh, more suspense episodes. Right. Uh, we, I think we have a Hall of Fantasy coming up, a Murder at Midnight episode. So lots and lots of scary radio shows. Now, someone texted it and said that we don't have our schedule updated. On our website. Yeah. That's on our website. So shame we, on Lisa. Right. No, no, that's not my job. Just so we're clear, <laughs> I will not take that. But the good news is what I do is I post our schedule each week on our Facebook page. Right. So if you're unsure as to what we're going to be playing, number one, you can rest assured that it's going to be great shows because I wouldn't play anything other than the best. Right. But if you want to know what those great shows are going to be, go to our Facebook page, WGN Radio Theater, and it will all be posted there at the beginning of the week so you can look forward to the weekend just as we do during the week i will get the uh, schedule on our website wgnradiotheater.com shame on it. you I carl know, it's my fault shame on you right. and of course every single hour we will be playing our new cat's pride game guess that song and we'll give away the best prizes here because that's how we roll all right ted de is starring in the far away island let's go back to june 21st 1953 for the conclusion now to escape. Let me tell you about Amoka. The maps say it's an atoll, 12 miles long, surrounded by coral reef, with a passage through the reef to the deep harbor inside. But it's more than that. It's a state of mind. It's peace and contentment. That is what I remember. You have come back, Captain Hamish. Yes. This house will be as your own until my people have made your house ready. Mm, thank you, Omano. You will find many changes, Tane. We are older. All of us are older. Amano, uh, where will I find Moeva? She is dead, Tane. Dead? Moeva? Yes, Tane. She died a little while after you left the island. They had buried her on a hill overlooking the bay. I stood for a long time looking at the ground in which she was lying, and in that place the memory of her was sharp and clear, but it was only a memory. Those first days I walked around the island, it wasn't the same. With Maeve, I'd never noticed the flies, the heat, and the quick torrents of rain. But the people hadn't changed. They still walked with an unmatched dignity, and I was glad to be home. Eight weeks later, a schooner sailed through the passage in the reef. Through my binoculars, I could see Crawford on the deck, and standing beside him was a taller, tired of running. Captain Hamish. Yes, I see it. You will go to the dock, Tony? No, I will wait in my house. Tell your people that if anyone should ask for me, I will be here in my house. Yes, Tony. 
I dropped the thin bamboo, sat down, the rifle crooked across my arm. I watched and I waited until the tall stranger stood walking slowly up the beach toward me. When he reached the whitewashed stones that marched the beginning of my land, I raised the rifle to my shoulder. My finger slid across the trigger. Then I saw his face. This man who had followed me across half the world was my own son. I sat there watching as my son slowly made his way up the path to my house. Then I went to the door, the rifle still crooked across my arm. You're a fool! I could have killed you easily! You still can't! Do it now, you'll never get another chance! Well, what are you waiting for? Paul! You know why I'm here? Take you back! You're ready, we'll leave now. Not, you better use that rifle. What's it going to be? I'm staying here, Paul. Are you sure? We fought silently as men do who are convinced their cause is right. He was taller than I remembered and heavier, but he lived too much in the city. It didn't last long. I took some rope and bound his arms and legs, and then I threw a cup of water in his face. Come on, snap out of it. You're not hurt. Well, oh. Not taking any chances, are you? No. Think the schooner will leave without me? Yes. We might as well make the best of this, Paul. We're going to be stuck here together for two months. On time. I will. After the schooner has cleared the harbor. It started to rain. For a long time, he didn't say anything. He just sat there staring at me, filled with hate. Then... How much of the money do you still have? About 2200 That's beautiful. It's my funeral. Sure, your funeral. You embezzled $10,000, you say it's your funeral, everything's fine. You shouldn't have come after me, Paul. I didn't want to. I tried to forget I had a father. And I would have if the police and the company, our friends, would have let me. I'm sorry. You never thought about what would happen to me, did you? That I couldn't get a job in town anymore the way people looked at me because you weren't there to look at. I'm sorry. Sure, sure. Who sent you after me? The bonding company? Nobody sent me. It was my own idea. I want to drag you back so I can live my own life again, not share yours. What made you do it? Why did you do it? You wouldn't understand even if I told you. Why not? Because you're too young. I cut him loose that night, and the next morning I showed him around the island. He walked among the people of Amoka. He watched the palms swaying in the gentle breeze. He looked at the beauty of the island, but he didn't really see any of it. Here. This spot here. They should do it. Should do what? What are you talking about? A spot of ground. It's not too far from the village. It's clear brush. 
I can build my house here. Your house? You didn't think I'd stay with you. I guess not. In a few more minutes, we'd reached the copra grove and were standing before the kiln that used to bake the meat from the shell of the coconuts. Well? You'll work here in the grove. You can have your choice of jobs, planting the young trees, packing the copra for shipping, or keeping the grove clean. Take your pick. Suppose I'd rather not work. Then you won't eat. Amano! Yes, darling? This is my son, Amano. He used to work in the grove. Yes, Tom. He'll start tomorrow, but today I want him to enjoy himself. I'd like it if one of your sons would take him fishing. Yes, Tane. But if he does not wish to go... Well? I've heard stories about the fishing down here. I'll go. Good. How do I call you, young captain? Paul. My name is Paul. Whiskey? Yeah, please. Yeah. Thanks. Amano tells me you hooked into some tuna. Starting to run. You said you're quite a fisherman. I didn't know that. There's a lot you don't know about me. We never had much of a chance to get acquainted, did we? Between the war and then when I came home, not much of a chance. No, not much. Have you decided about your work on the Grove? What you want to do? Amano said that apprentices start by keeping the Grove clear of weeds. I'll do that. His hands were raw and bleeding when he came in from the grove that first day. But by the end of the second week, his hands and his body toughened. And then he left the hut the chief had let him use. He'd completed his own. We didn't see much of each other after that. And then, the night of the Kai Kai to celebrate the great catch of tuna. Your son is well liked by my people, Hamish Tane. Thank you, Amano. He has done well in the grove. They have made him plant of the young trees. I saw him working among the trees yesterday. Do not worry about his feelings, Torture. His head is not clear. He is young. Has he mentioned leaving the island? He counts the days. He says you will both leave when the ship sails. Tane, look there. I looked and saw Paul standing beside a beautiful girl. She was wearing a frangipani blossom behind her right ear. They talked earnestly for a moment, and then she laughed, and he laughed. I saw the girl the next day. The blossom was behind her left ear. The days and weeks passed, and then there was only a week left before the schooner would return. Amish! Hamish Tane, wake up, wake up, Hamish Tane. Huh? Uh, what is it? The copra, the grove, insects, Tane. Many, many insects that will destroy the grove. Come on! 
There are a hundred things that can happen to a grove of young trees, and the worst of them is the invasion of these tiny, vicious termites. No one knows where they come from. They appear suddenly and without warning, and there's only one thing to do. You burn the young trees that are infected. And here, honey, see this one? Bring that kerosene over here. Here, give me that. All right, get back, Amano. Uh, what are you doing? You crazy. Over here, honey. Why are you doing this? Stop it. Honey, honey. Bring the kerosene, boy. No, no, I won't let you do it. I won't let you burn the grove. Honey. Get out of my way. I said no. <laughs> I opened my eyes to see Paul and Amano standing over me. I got up and looked at the grove, what remained of it, and quickly turned my head away. I... I'm sorry. I didn't understand. I... I thought you wanted to destroy it. Ah, it's all right. Forget it. What do we do about the grove? People have worked so hard, they'll have to start over now. Yes. Well, come on. Take you to your house. I stayed close to the house for the rest of the week. I was tired, and I'd made up my mind what I wanted to do. Then the schooner sailed through the reef. I packed my things and went down to the dock. I knew Paul would be waiting to take me back. You, uh, came down early. Yes. Aren't you ready? Where's your bag? I'm... I'm not going. What? I'm... I'm, I'm staying here. I decided to marry Atea. You've given this some thought. You sure? Yes. Yes. Look, I... I, I don't know if this will help, but... Once you told me I, I was too young to understand why you had to come back here. Even if you had a steel to do it. Well, I understand now. And if you want to stay... No. No, I want to go back. Set things right. Look, you don't have to. I know. You, uh, you remember that we're here... Waiting for you. I remember. We'll we'll keep your house ready. You won't be away too long. You'll come back, Dad. I went aboard the schooner and watched as he walked back toward the village. At the end of the pier, a slim figure joined him. They crossed the beach and went out of sight into the ponds. The girl, Itia, and my son, Paul.
Under the direction of Anthony Ellis, Escape has brought you The Faraway Island by Charles Smith, starring Ted DeCorsia as Adam. Featured in the cast were Anthony Barrett, Edgar Beria, Marion Richmond, Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian, and Richard Peel. Listen next week when Escape brings you Peter B. Kine's exciting story, One-Eighth Apache. This is George Walsh speaking. And remember, for suspense all summer, hear Crime Classics Monday nights on the CBS Radio Network. There you have Escape from June 21st, 1953, The Far Away Island, starring Ted DeCorsia. Also in that cast, uh, William Conrad as the voice of Escape. And uh, a bunch of great uh, radio actors, Tony Barrett, Edgar Barrier, Marion Richmond, Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian. Um, You know, it's probably a lot of fun, I'm guessing. They would show up, they would do a table read. They would uh, get their part. You know, the producer, Norman McDonald, he would say, okay, here's uh, here's your part, William Conrad. You're just doing the opening voice. And then, t- Ted DeCorsia, you're going to play the lead. Oh, wow, I'm going to be the lead role. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you expect that they would get these scripts before they showed up that day? Not necessarily, because what would happen is they would get called in, you know, by their agent. Their agent would be like, okay, they want you for escape, you know, Wednesday night. Right. Right. So they would show up probably in the afternoon. So let, you know, four or five hours before the broadcast. They'd show up that day. They would sit around a table and they would get the script. They would be given out, given their part. And then they would do a one read through so that the producer is good with the voices. Because, you know, a lot of times what happens on these radio broadcasts, because you don't have the visual. You have to make sure when one actor is talking to the other actor that their voices aren't too similar, mm-hmm. because if they are, people yeah, are going to get lost. Right. So they would probably do a table read. The the, the producer would be, you know, or director would be listening for that. They might switch the parts, right? Yeah. And uh, and then they would probably do a recorded rehearsal with the uh, sound effects. And uh, maybe not the orchestra, because the orchestra they would bring in just before the broadcast. They would do one probably with no music but sound effects. And then just before airing, they would do it. They would, they would, they would do the show, you know, a kind of a dry run, and then they'd go on live or whatever time it was. You know, it's not all that different when you produce the new time radio dramas. The Twilight Very, Zones, yeah. The Twilight Zones, and you've got some others. You've got yeah. uh, Mike Hammer and The difference, uh, though, with those... Is you make a mistake, oh yeah, well, right? That's right. You just, you just fix it in post. That's but right. these were live broadcasts. Hey, it's like being on the radio. You make tons of mistakes. <laughs> Man, <laughs> do I ever. But I, I give so much credit to these radio actors because they that was it. They did it live. If they made a mistake. Got to be quick. Yeah, it was, it was quick amazing, on your feet. amazing stuff. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. So you wanted to read a text? So speaking of the cruise, I yeah. know we just had a, a thing about our cruise. Somebody texted in, yeah. and um, of course I just lost it. He said that um, you should uh, bring bring your glass in case pillow on the cruising because you just <laughs> never know it might turn into the love boat. So what do you think, Carl? That's great, right? 
For I those should bring of you my my don't pillow. know, yeah. your my pillow is in a glass case. Right, I have a my pillow. Well, I have two my pillows. One I sleep on. You have two because I bought them for you for right. your birthday. One I sleep on, and then the other one is in a glass case, and I have a hammer, like a little hammer, taped to it, mm-hmm. just in case, you know, like a woman. Like who are you? What, well, who? I would prefer it to be a woman. Yes. Okay, but you're not sure. <laughs> no, I'm pretty okay. sure. <laughs> but you're I'm not like a hundred percent sure. Oh, hundred sure. because you're yeah. kind of sure. I'm absolutely a hundred percent sure. You're hundred percent sure you want it to be a female. It would have That's to a be good a female. start. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. You have any other stipulations? No. Female. A girl that'll do it. <laughs> girl. <laughs> <laughs> a girl who will go on the cruise with you. Right. Can and she have the pillow? Well, yeah. If she comes on the cruise, I'll break the glass, okay. and then she can and use you my can my use the pillow. Second pillow. Yeah. Well, it could turn into the love boat, and I wish you all the best. I will be your. Uh, was it Julie, your cruise director? Yeah, Julie. I'll be Julie. <laughs> she was good. Remember that show? It was great. I love the, I love lo- the love the boat. Love, I love. The what was the love other? Boat. Oh, then it was yeah, like Fantasy Island. To, to, yeah, was I was going to say it. The plane, the plane. That's Fantasy Island. Yeah, they, they were, were back was, to back. Yeah, love boat and, and was, then Fantasy Island and was. Um, Charlie's Angels also on that same night? No. I can't remember. No. It was not. not. Oh, Lisa knows her. Absolutely <laughs> Lisa not. Lisa knows her Aaron Spelling you're, television shows. You're joining things that don't, that don't <laughs> join together. You're co-mingling well, you know, television. I never missed Charlie's Angels. Well, oh, I'm sure I had the poster, didn't. too. Oh, well, I had Farrah Fawcett in the poster. Red swimsuits? You better believe it. Well, my brothers had that. I, I did not, but I'm familiar with it. <laughs> I had that. Every boy had that. Really? Every boy? Well, okay, not, Maybe not every, every boy, boy, but, but most, a lot of young most boys Most red-blooded had boys had <laughs> it, go. that's for sure. Okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> In our next hour, <laughs> Murder by Experts, a show called It's Luck That Counts with Leslie Woods. Leslie Woods played Mary Wesley on Boston Blackie. You're going to hear her on A Good Mystery. That's coming up. In our next hour. All right. In this hour, we are going to tune into Murder by Experts. That's right. It's called It's Luck That Counts with Leslie Woods. Uh, before that, though, we're going to play our Cat's Pride game. Guess that song, sponsored yeah. by Cat's Pride. Guess that song. We are still on 1974. We've got two songs, and we are going to be giving away giving away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers. What number do you like, Carl? Mm, what let's caller? go with five. Caller five. Five sounds like a good, solid caller. Call now, 312-981-7200, and we'll be right back to play the game. Guess that song. That's what we're going to do. We're going to guess a song with Melanie. I have a question for you, though, first, Lisa. Okay. Have you paid Roger for that voiceover yet? Oh, I did. And I, he did? I pay him Melanie, every, every weekend when I'm here. Lisa I pay him says she paid him. I don't think she did. Oh, yeah. Not in money, but in other ways. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've got Melanie on <laughs> Cookies, the Cookies. All sorts candy. of Candy. That's right. Hi, Melanie. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just great. All Good. right. Well, glad you made it through. You're caller number five. We're going to play a couple snippets from 1974 songs. You're already a winner. And um, we're going to start with the first song right now. I guess you kind of scared yourself. Oh, God. Do you know that one? What is that, Melanie? Sounds familiar. Yes, mm. it does. Mm. Carl? Mm. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. All right, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll play a little more. Let's hear it. Play some more. I guess you kind of scared yourself. You turn and run. Don't lose that number. Yes, Ricky, don't lose Ricky, that don't number. Lose that Let's number. hear it. What? Here it is. It's right here. 
Ricky Don't Lose That, that That's number. Steely Dan. Yeah. And this is Steely Dan's highest charting single. It reached number four on the Hot 100 in 1974. All right. Okay, this second song, I was telling Carl, has been on my mind all week. And it Which is, mind? She has two brains. I've, it's on all of my all, brains this week, them? and it's okay. very catchy. Let's hear the second song. I got silly and found the frog in the water by what? I never heard that song. Yeah, you, you will I've when never you hear the heard chorus. that song. Um, what is it? Yes. It's Jim Stafford. Yes, you are right. What? Um, Something about spiders and snakes. That's like it. That's exactly oh, what it is. Jim Stafford, right. spiders and snakes. That's I don't you like spiders good. and snakes. Exactly. Let's but that it. ain't what it takes. to love me. Yep. You are right. Like spiders and snakes, but that ain't what it takes to love you. You are good, Melanie. Wow. Isn't that catchy? Yeah. I love that song. I love that song. So the lyrics are just a funny retelling of his experiences. He grew up on a farm in Darby, Florida. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's it. He doesn't like spiders and snakes. Do you? Melanie, you know, this no. is a true story. <laughs> this is a true story. Uh-oh. I bought a sports car years and years ago. And it was like my dream sports car. And I was pulling into the my garage, and there was a spider in the in the sports car. Yeah. And I literally freaked. I can't stand. I mean, spiders freak me out. That's and a little I dramatic. And I literally hit the side of the garage with my because sports car. Because there was car. a spider in yes, the car? Yes. That's a true story. Well, that's an exciting story. What true do you, story. What do you think, Melanie? I, that's I how- had a hawk. Fly over my car one time. A and hawk it dropped its snake right on <gasps> my. It dropped windshield. a snake on you. <gasps> now that's weird. Oh, I had wow. a hawk try to pick up my dog while that's we were right. walking in the field right by my house. Time. That's scary. Anyways, we could go on and on. <laughs> Melanie, you're a great player. That was fantastic. And you are a winner because you've won the desktop indoor weather station. It's brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. They are the 60 Minute Men. Visit American Weathermakers. Dot com. It's a great uh, weather station. I love it. You're going to love yours, too. But more importantly, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, yeah, Melanie. Thank you very much. All thank right, you. Hon. It's great to talk to you. Great talking to you. One time I was driving. <laughs> Is it a better story than the one last time, one? <laughs> one time I was driving my car. I did not, that, not that car, a different car. A different car. I was driving home from WGN. And okay. I was on, you know, and I'm in the woods there, you know, I'm like, you, you know, live in the Barrington woods with area. The spiders and the snakes. I'm in Barrington area. So I'm driving and I'm in the woods and an owl hit my windshield. It was flying, came right at me and an owl hit my windshield. Well, <laughs> why were you going that direction? No, I was on the road <laughs> and it flew right into so my windshield. what did you do? And, uh, and I went, who the heck was that? Right. Is this real? Or is this just no, a that is story? true. That is a true story. Uh-oh. That really, an owl hit my windshield. All right, and then. it careened. You know, like it didn't, it didn't like, it didn't smash on the windshield. Mm-hmm. It just like careened off the windshield. All right, well that was a good. And story I thought they too. had good eyesight. What's going on with those yeah. owls? Well, maybe that happened. That was really yeah. You're I'll probably never going too that. fast. It was went, probably your fault somehow. Who the heck was that? <laughs> that that that's a good story, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> 
I bet you the listeners are thinking, oh, he made that up. No, it really, oh, truly. No, I believe you. That's It truly happened. That's really you funny. You know what else truly happened? What, Carl? <laughs> Murder by experts truly happened. I know that It was happened. a radio show that came to the airwaves in 1949, lasted until 1951. The hosts were John Dixon Carr and Brett Halliday. They were two big, very popular mystery writers, and they were uh, pegged to be the hosts of this show. It was written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Kogan. That's the same team that brought us The Mysterious Traveler and The Sealed Book and The Strange Dr. Weird. It was produced and broadcast from New York, and the series featured radio adaptations of mystery stories by masters in the field, and it had all the New York-based radio actors like Maurice Tarplin and uh, Lawson Zerby, Carl Weber, fellow Carl, mm, but he Carl. spelled it with a K. Yeah, that's so that not doesn't right. even doesn't even count. That's not right. Roger DeCoven, uh, many others, and uh, really top notch mystery series. You're going to hear it right now. It's uh, called "It's Luck That Counts." Leslie Woods starring in this from August 29, 1949. Here's part one of "Murder by Experts." Murder by Experts. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents Murder by Experts with your host and narrator, Mr. John Dixon Carr, world-famous mystery novelist whose books have been published in 17 languages, have sold over 10 million copies, and who is author of the recently published detective novel, Below Suspicion. Good evening. This is John Dixon Carr. Each week at this time, Murder by Experts brings you a story of crime and mystery which has been chosen for your approval by one of the world's leading detective writers. Tonight, our guest expert is the noted mystery novelist Frank Gruber. From the many thrillers he has read and enjoyed, Mr. Gruber has selected a tense and gripping story by George and Gertrude Fass. And now we present Larry Haynes in... It's luck that counts. When you're down on your luck, you can't expect things to break right. You see a dime lying on the street, you go to pick it up and get swiped by an auto. Or you snatch a bag from a rich-looking dame and all you find in it is six cents and a lipstick. You know what I mean. So when the bartender in this Pittsville dive told me to scram, I guess I should have listened. And I look, Crumb, keep your hooks out the free lunch, quit butting the customers. Nobody's going to buy you a drink. I'm not bothering anybody. Well, just you standing there bothers me. Just because I'm near the freight yards, every bindle stiff in the county thinks I run a club for hobos or something. I told you once, I told you a dozen times to shove off of it. Hey, what's going on? What are the cops coming here for? All right, folks. Stand right where you are. Hey, what is this? Keep your shirt on, Delaney. This is a raid. Commissioner's orders. Hey. You there. Come over here. I didn't do nothing. All right, search him, Parker. What for? What have I done? Never mind. Oh, but I... Hey, you. You're in the brown suit. Get over there with the other one. And you there, Red. Go on, get over there. 
Hey, you. You're a new face. What's your name? Me? Yeah, you. Matthews, Dan Matthews. Where do you live? I'm, uh, I'm just passing through. Get over with the others, Matthews. But I haven't done anything. Get! Now, here's the next one, Lieutenant. His name is Dan Matthews. Ah. All right, Dan. Now, here's your chance to come clean. Why did you kill him? Kill him? I didn't kill anybody. I swear I did. Suppose I told you you were seen near the old lady's shack just about the time she was killed. What old lady? Sarah Grimes. Name's familiar, isn't it? No, I never heard of her. I never was near her. Where'd you hide the money, Danny? What money? The 75 grand you stole from the old lady after you killed her. 75 grand? Yeah. You think if I stole 75 G's, I'd be hanging around Delaney's bar, mooching a drink? I'm asking the questions, Matthews. Now, where were you Tuesday night between 8 o'clock and midnight? Well, if that's when it happened, that lets me out, Lieutenant. I was in Delaney's bar all that time. Ask him if you don't believe me, he'll tell you. Oh. All right, Matthews. If Delaney backs you up, that'll clear you. And you'll let me go? Oh, no, no. No matter what Delaney says, we're holding you for vagrancy. Vagrancy? Yeah. You're a big, good-looking guy, Matthews. Why haven't you got a job? Well, I... This city doesn't like bums, Matthews. Especially bums from out of town. We got enough of our own. Hey, Sergeant, take Matthews back to the cell and bring in the next one. They all gave me the big double O when I got shoved back into the cell, but I just grinned at them and flopped onto a cot. They still had it coming, all of them were guys like me, all except one. He was about 40, big, and he wore a neat pinstripe suit. I could see he was really sweating under the cool front he was putting up. Presently, he came over to me. Hey, fella. Yeah? What are they looking for? Listen, they question you. What are they trying to find? I don't even know why they arrested me. You mean they just picked you up and pulled you in without telling you what for? Yes. I was just opening up my pool parlor when the cops came. Pulled me up without a word. What for? Why? You know what they want? Yeah, sure I know. They're looking for a murderer. Murderer? Who was killed? Some old crow named Grimes. Sarah Grimes? Yeah, you know her? Of course I know her. She was a friend of my old lady. Well, she's dead. Head smashed in blood all over everything. According to the cops, she had 75,000 bucks hidden in that tumble-down shack of maybe more. 75,000? Yeah. What have I to do with this? Why do you arrest me? Same reason they arrested me, to ask questions. Tell me. What, uh... What questions do they ask? Lots of questions, you know. Do, uh... Do they do anything else? What do you mean? They search you? Examine your clothes? They didn't, but I decided to give the guy a ride. Yeah, sure. Sure, they go over you from head to foot. Examine your clothes under ultraviolet for blood stains, look into your cuts, your shoes, socks, everything. Why? Nothing. Nothing. 
Listen, fella. Danny's the name. Danny Matthews. Danny, I'm Fred Bruno. You look like a nice guy. Guy I can trust. Sure, everybody can trust Danny. I, uh, I want you to do me a favor. I'll be glad to, only I'm not getting out of here, so I can't call you a lawyer. No, it's it's not that. I, I'm a married man, see? Yeah, I see. But uh, sometimes I go to New York on business, you know. Yeah. I don't like to carry a lot of baggage with me, so I keep a bag in the city. A suitcase. I got my clothes in it. Uh-huh. You know. You know New York? Do I know New York? You know that check room in Times Square in the subway? Yeah, I know. I got the suitcase checked there. I, I got the baggage checked with me. Well, that's no crime. Yeah, but you see, it's like this. If they find that baggage check on me, they'll investigate, won't they? Yeah, they'll investigate. That's what I'm afraid of. I've uh, got a girlfriend in the city. My wife finds out about that, there's going to be trouble. So, you see, I don't want them to know. You understand? Yeah, sure, sure. I know just how you feel. Uh, They're not going to search you again. No, no, they're not. Would you? Sure, I'll hold it for you. Just give it here. I'll give you $10 for the pay, right? That's all I have on me. Thanks. I'll be glad to do it for you. You're a good guy, Danny. You give it to me when I come back. Well, uh, maybe you're not coming back. Maybe they'll let you go. You needn't worry about that. I'll be around to pick it up. Okay. Whenever you want it, you can have it back again. That's fine. Here. Here it is. Take care of it. Oh, sure. You haven't a thing to worry about. Fred Bruno didn't come back to the cell, so I knew the police didn't have enough on him to hold him. A couple of hours later, I was hauled into night court and was handed a 30-day stretch for vacancy. I hadn't been in a week when they told me I had a visitor. Fred Bruno. He didn't waste any time getting down to business. Where is it? Where's what? A baggage check. What baggage check? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't fool around with me, Matthews. I want... I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. I warn you, Matthews. I want that check. If I don't get it, you're not going to like what happens to you. Maybe I'd better call the screw. You're threatening me. Maybe I'd better tell him you want a baggage check. Suppose they were to find that check, Bruno, and find the suitcase in your girl's picture and that your wife isn't going to like that. All right, Matthews. You're asking for it. And you're going to get it right in the neck. I knew then I had to do some planning. I wasn't letting that check slip through my fingers. Not when for the first time in my life my luck was beginning to change. I ain't dumb. I knew it was in that suitcase. It was the 75 G's Bruno got when he knocked off his old lady friend. I knew I had to get that baggage checked to a safe place. I got an envelope and a stamp and addressed it to Dan Andrews, care of General Delivery, New York. Then I got friendly with a stew who was in for ten days on a D&D charge. I gave him ten bucks to mail a letter for me when he got outside. I knew it was taking a chance, but what else could I do? Well, when my thirty days were up, I walked down the jailhouse steps expecting to find Fred Bruno waiting for me. He wasn't there. But that didn't mean he wasn't having me tailed. I walked down the street and then turned off toward the main highway out of town. As I hiked along, I kept thumbing cars. The fourth one slowed down and stopped. Would you like a lift? You bet. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. You going far? Uh, New York. 
You going that far? Oh, no. No, I'm not. Sorry. But I can take you about 20 miles on your way. Well, every little bit helps. Yes, I guess it does. She smiled at me. She was a luscious blonde with blue eyes that really set you back on your heels. She looked to be about 25. And there was class written all over her. I sat next to her smelling that wonderful perfume and cursing my clothes and the luck that made us meet like this. Um, you're not scared? Picking up a guy like me, I'm not dressed so well. Should I be scared? Oh, no, no. Well, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I didn't look at your clothes when I stopped for you. I looked at your face. Looked honest, huh? Not only that. Oh. Say, I, uh... I sure wish you were going to New York. We could have a great time there. Could we? Well, you may think because I'm dressed like a tramp, I am a tramp. Broke, but that's where you're wrong. I've got lots of money waiting for me. Mm -hmm. I'll have it just as soon as I get to the city. Yes, sir, I've got a steak there waiting for me. A big steak. That's nice. Somebody die and leave your fortune? I might say that. (laughs) Sure, you might say that. Well, I'm sorry I'm not going to New York. I'm on my way to my country place. I've got a little place near Gloucester. Oh? You, uh, staying there all alone? Most of the time. Isn't it lonely? Well, yes, it, uh... It might be a bit lonely. Yeah, well, uh... Look, I don't have to get to New York today. I could get in tomorrow or the day after. Are you angling for an invitation? Well, I just thought if you wanted company... I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess you could come to lunch, maybe, and stay for a swim. I could. Yeah, that's swell. Yes, I think it is, too. And since we'll be spending the afternoon together, I guess we'd better get to know each other's names. I'm Alice. I'm Danny, Danny Matthews. Glad to know you, Danny. <laughs> You're not half as glad as I am, Alice. All right, that's the first portion of Murder by Experts. It's Luck That Counts, and that stars Leslie Woods and Larry Haynes. Uh, You know what uh, brand underwear Larry uh, Haynes used to wear? I'm pretty sure Haynes. Yeah. Was it around back then? (laughs) Yeah, I think it probably was. It could have been. Although, you know, that's kind of (laughs) a weird thing that you you would even think about, like what kind of underwear he's wearing. Well, (laughs) I don't wear Haynes. But uh, you don't. Is that not good enough for you? No, no. I'm just saying. I, that's not. It's the not brand. your brand. I'm of not going to say. Do you want to say what you no, do wear? No. All right. Well, I but wouldn't ask I you that. That's too Hanes. personal. But uh, Larry did. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get back to it in just a few minutes. All right. In just a moment, we'll have news. Uh, I want to remind all of our listeners that we are here every Saturday and Sunday night, beginning at 11 p.m. Saturday nights, we're here till 2 o'clock in the morning. We play three classic radio shows. And then on Sunday nights, we're here for two hours, and we play two classic radio shows. You get five radio shows each and every week right here on the WGN Radio Theater. We sure do appreciate you joining us. All right, Lisa, we're back. Thanks, Roger. One thirty-three in the morning. And just a reminder, when we come back here at 11 p.m. tonight, we have two more classic radio shows for you with a Halloween theme. 
all October. It's Halloween programming and a great Gildersleeve show, and it's a Halloween show. A very touching episode of The Great Gildersleeve. I think you're really going to like that. Are you going to cry again? No. I will cry with that that song. song? Oh, yeah. I know. It actually touches me, too. It's a very sad song, Lisa. It is because... Why would you pick that one and put me in a melancholy mood? (laughs) You're melancholy? (laughs) Very melancholy. Are you? Yeah, now I am. Well, it happens so few and far. You're usually so emotionless. I mean, you know, it's tough. I'm raising a... a, a, So I have two daughters... And a son. My son lives with me, you know. And uh, that song makes me sad. It's like, you know, well, maybe, maybe I'm not spending enough time with him. Well, maybe it's sending a message. And if you feel that way, then maybe you're not. I mean, I try to spend a lot of time with him, but, yeah, you I know, know. he's into his that. video games and all that stuff. You know? He doesn't want to play video games with me. He plays video games with his friends from all over the country. Well, you know, you know, I don't even know how to play video games. Well, maybe he could teach you. But a we thing do play or two. ping pong. You do other things together. We you, go to the you movies. Go, you go to movies. You have great dinners together. We do. Um, you we do see a lot of movies together. together. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to yeah. do everything together. That's you just true. find something that you both appreciate. That's true. Um, but it's a sad song. I know. I agree with it's you. A sad, sad it's song. a sad, sad situation. <laughs> sad, sad, <laughs> sad situation. situation. All right. Murder by experts. Uh, Larry Haynes and uh, Leslie Wood starring in a very good episode called It's Luck That Counts. This was a New York-based show. Very cool show. Uh, a very um, sort of a... Um, Top production. You know, there were there were a lot of shows that had like the full orchestra and all that kind of stuff. And this one did. It had the full orchestra on mutual. A lot of times, even the shadow did not have a full orchestra. The shadow just had an organ. You know, and the shadow was a big show, but it just had an organ. But this show, full orchestra. I think the shadow only needed an organ because yeah. that set the mood. Yeah. It gave it the right feel. Who knows? Ooh. What evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow, no. But what, men and women, it should have been, It should right? have been. But, men you know, and men today, and women. Today, it would have been men sh- and women. <laughs> it was not politically correct to say changed. just men. How that dare they? That is true. Yeah. See how things have changed? I mean, you, what about the women? You wouldn't have even thought of that Back years then. ago. It wasn't well, even a conversation. It was a different world. But, you know... I think men just stood I know, for, men for like generic man, for mankind. Man, exactly. Mankind. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get back now to Murder by Experts. It took us about an hour to get to that summer place of hers. It was off all by itself in the woods. Right near it was an old quarry filled with sparkling cold water. I helped to lug a carton of groceries from the car into the kitchen. We stowed them away together and took the covers off the furniture. I could feel it building between us all the time. It's only 11 o'clock. Would you like to go for a swim now? The quarry's fine for swimming. Well, sure, only I don't have a suit. Oh, you can wear my brother's trunks. He's just about your size. I'll show you where you can change. Then I'll meet you in five minutes in front of the house. I was ready in three and I waited for her on the porch. She came out in a white swimsuit. And when I saw her, I just about lost my breath. She was the dreamiest dame I ever laid eyes on. She smiled and I just gulped. Come along, we go down this path. (laughs) 
Do you swim well? It's very, very deep. Oh, like a fish. Come on, let's get in. Paris, water's great. My goodness, you are a good swimmer. Oh, I was born near the East River. Can you dive? Oh, sure. Can you touch bottom? Uh, I don't know. How deep is it? 30 feet. Oh, wait till I get on this ledge. Now watch me. The water was so clear I could see the bottom coming up at me as I kicked myself down. I grabbed a handful of gravel and started up. Here's a present for you. Thanks. I can't do that. I've tried, but I never can get all the way down. Ah, it's easy. Come on, stand here on this rock and catch your breath. Uh, Oh, isn't the water wonderful? You're wonderful. You're nice, too. She turned to face me. I let my arms float around her and closed them. And as she floated up close to me, her lips were soft and cool. And then suddenly the coolness was gone and she was warm and close. She looked at me for a long moment with those beautiful eyes and then she slipped away and swam to the other end of the quarry. I swam after her. We climbed onto the rocks and she sat down and pulled off a bathing cap. Alice, I... I... Oh, Danny. Alice, Alice, I know it's crazy just meeting you a couple of hours ago, but I'm nuts about you. You're very nice, Danny. You're so very nice. Oh, listen, come to New York with me. I got a pile of dough there just waiting for me to pick it up. I know I'm talking like I'm out of my head, me without a cent in my pocket, dressed in rags, and... Well, it's true. But we'll really start living, get married, Alice. You don't, you don't know what she do to me. Don't, don't. We've got to get back to the house now. Uh, Alice. No, no, Danny, please, not now. We went back to the house. I followed her inside into the living room. Somebody was standing there with a rod in his hand. Bruno. Don't move, Matthews. Don't move or I'll plug you. Uh, Danny. Danny, this is my husband. Oh, I get it. I get it now. Did you find it, Fred? No, it's not in his clothes. I took them apart. I haven't got it. Well, maybe he... Maybe he hid it in the bedroom. No, I looked everywhere. Talk, Matthews. Where is it? Talk or you'll be wishing you were dead. I haven't a thing to say. Brave, aren't you? Wait. Before I get through with you, you talk. Plenty. Save it. Give it to him, Danny. Give it to him and you can go. That's to you, gorgeous. Never mind a talk. Upstairs, Matthews. We went upstairs, and Bruno told her to tie me to a chair, and she did a good job, too. I was tied to that chair so tight I could hardly breathe. You go outside, Alice. Leave him to me. Yes, Fred. Danny, I'm sorry. Well, this is your last chance. Are you going to talk? Guys, uh... It's just the beginning. Billy did a good job, too. When it was through, I knew I'd been shellacked by an expert, but I didn't talk. I knew I'd be signing my own death warrant by spilling. He wouldn't kill me as long as he thought he could get me to sing. I was alone in the room, still tied to the chair. Downstairs, I could hear the two of them moving around, talking. I had to get my hands free. I pulled and jerked until the blood came. Then I passed out. Must have been hours later when I came to. 
was dark and the house was quiet. I tried again to loosen my wrists, and I finally got my right hand free. Free, but almost useless. I rested, flexing my fingers. An hour passed, maybe more. I was picking at the knot that tied my left hand when the door quietly opened. The room was as dark as the inside of a camera, but I knew who it was. I'd know the smell of that perfume anywhere. Danny. Danny, are you awake? Yes, I'm awake. He mustn't hear you whisper. What for? I could have to say. Danny, he's going to kill you. I know it. So what? I don't want you to die. You wouldn't kid me, would you? I'm going to untie you and let you go. Thanks. I mean it. I do mean it. Just tell me where it is. That baggage check. Please, Danny. Your keeping it won't do you any good. Believe me. Maybe not. Now, Danny, listen to me. Freddie killed that old woman, and he'll kill you, too. I don't want him to. No. No. Let him have the baggage check, Danny. And then we'll go away, you and I. I hate him. I hate him. He's a beast. You're not getting anywhere, baby. Oh, Dan. You think I want to get the money, don't you? You think I'm lying just to get the money. Well, I'll tell you something, Danny. There isn't any money in that suitcase. Where is it, if not in the suitcase? I have it. You have it? Yes, I have. I took it out of the suitcase and... And put something else in. All right. All right, you have the money. Why didn't you take a powder with it? Because I can't get at it, that's why. You have it, but you can't get at it. That makes sense. Now, listen. The night that Freddie killed her, he came here with the money. I didn't know he was going to kill her. You didn't, huh? No. I didn't know a thing about it until he showed me the money. He put it in the suitcase so he could drive down to New York and check it. Well, while he changed his clothes, I took the money out and put something else in. Yeah, What'd you do with the dough? After he left, I put the money in a big mason jar and dropped it in the quarry. The quarry? Yes. I was sure that I'd be able to dive down and get it up again. Well, I tried, but it was too deep for me. That's why I asked you if you could touch bottom, you see? So please, please tell Freddy where the check is. He'll go to get it, and while he's gone, we'll get the money and go away. It's quite a yarn. But it's true, Danny. Please, it's true. All the time she talked, I kept working on my left hand, pulling to free it. And finally, it slipped out of the rope. Oh, Danny, we can go out west. Some place where he'll never find us. Please. Please, you've got to believe me. Danny, I love you, too. If I didn't, I wouldn't tell you all this. I'd keep the money for myself, wouldn't I? How do I know you're not playing me for a sucker? Well, you've got to trust me. Please. Please, tell me where the baggage check is. Cut me free first. You don't trust me, do you? Sure, sure, I trust you. But I haven't got it on me, you know that. Where is it? In New York, in a safe place. Fine. I'll tell Freddy and he'll go for it. When he does pick up that suitcase, there'll be a surprise waiting for him. While he's gone, we'll get the mason jar from the bottom of the quarry and we'll be on our way west in the morning. Does he know you're in here now? Yes. Yes, I... I asked him to let me try talking to you. Danny, he, he thinks that I'm trying to fool you. But you wouldn't do that, would you, honey? Oh, Danny, can't I make you understand? I could feel the numbness leaving fingers on my left hand. Now I had both hands free and she was within my reach, lying a fool head off to get me to give up the 75 grand to give her and Freddie. Where is it, Danny? Come closer, Alice. All right. Kiss me. Just to show me you're leveling with me. She came close. Her lips pressed against mine. And then... 
With one hand on that soft, flying red mouth of hers, and the other on the throat. With all my strength, I held on, pulling it down on my knees so her feet wouldn't hit the floor. Suddenly she was limp, but I didn't let go. Minutes went by. Finally, I took my hand off her mouth. She wasn't breathing anymore. She was dead. Slowly, I let her body down on the floor. Then I untied the knots that held me to the chair. I reached for her, and carefully, with stiff fingers, I took off a jacket. The perfume she drenched it with came off in waves. Then I got up, holding the jacket ahead of me like a bullfighter's cape. I walked down the pitch-black hall. Alice? Shh. Did he tell you? I stopped. He'd been waiting there all the time. The perfume on that jacket fooled him the way I thought it would. I was just a couple of feet from him. The next time he spoke, I'd jump. Well, did he talk? No, Freddy, I didn't. <laughs> My first wild punch in the dark put him out. After that, he wasn't any more trouble than she was. There was a lot for me to do before daybreak. First, I got rid of both the bodies, tying weights to them and sinking them to the bottom of the quarry. Freddy had a fat wallet. I helped myself to that. Next, I changed into one of his suits that was in the house. I closed the place, locked it, and got into the car as the first streaks of light began to show in the east. By afternoon, I'd be in New York. When I reached New York, I got a shave and a haircut and had some lunch. Then I went down to the main post office. The letter was there. And at ten minutes, I was at the Times Square subway station with the baggage check in my hand. Here you are. One suitcase. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, B-131. Well, what are you waiting for? B-131. This was checked over 30 days ago. Oh, what of it? I'll pay the charges. We don't keep baggage up here. After 30 days, your suitcase is down in storage room B. Uh, this way, please. Yeah, sure. Just lead the way. We took the stairs down to one of the cellars, walked along some dark halls, and then stopped in front of a locked door. It's in uh, one of the bins down this way. Uh, here we are. B-131. This it? That looks like it. Okay, take it. All right. Oh, uh, here, bud. This is for your trouble. Uh, no, no thanks. Come on, buy yourself a drink. No, I don't want it. All right, suit yourself. Let's go. As we walked back to the door, I wondered why the guy should refuse a tip. When we got to the door, I found out. He opened it, and I walked out right into the arms of a big guy in a brown suit. He grabbed my wrist, and before I knew what was happening, he had a pair of bracelets. All right, Matthews, you're under arrest. Arrest? What for? For the murder of Sarah Grimes in Pittsville, Massachusetts. I didn't kill that old Save lady. Save it, brother. You can do all your talking down at headquarters. For all the talking I did down at headquarters, there were a lot of things I couldn't explain away. Like, for instance, the bank books belonging to Sarah Grimes they found in the suitcase. My having the baggage check for the suitcase. One thing the cops didn't know. 
And that was what happened to the 75 grand which should have been in the suitcase. And wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't a dime in that suitcase. The cops told me that two days after old lady Grimes was knocked off, they got an anonymous letter telling them to look into the suitcase checked in Times Square under number B-131. The note said the man who'd call for that suitcase was the murderer of Sarah Grimes. So, now they're hanging me in half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the surprise that was meant for Fred Perullo. And when I think it all over, two things stand out. Down in that quarry, there's a mason jar with $75,000 in it. And down there, too, is a gorgeous blue-eyed dame with a rock tied around her neck. See what I mean by the brakes going against you? I could have had them both. Yep. I could have had them both. And so the curtain falls on It's Luck That Counts, which was chosen by guest expert Frank Gruber, whose latest mystery thriller is The Leather Duke. This is your host, John Dixon Carr, hoping you'll be with us next week at this time. It's Luck That Counts was written by George and Gertrude Fass. In the cast were Larry Haynes, Miss Leslie Wood, Santos Ortega, Bill Smith, and Ed Latimer. Music is under the direction of Emerson Buckley and was composed by Richard DuPage. Murder by Experts is produced and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Cogan. All characters in our story were fictitious, and any resemblance to the names of actual persons was purely coincidental. This is Jack Farron speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. You know, unlike NBC and ABC, this was kind of mutual. You know, they were kind of mutual about it over at Mutual. But um, was that a joke? Uh, murder by experts. <laughs> uh, it's luck that counts. Leslie Woods and Larry Haynes, August 29th, 1949. It was meant to be a joke, yes. I wasn't clear. I did have, I should have, probably should have done that. it's kind of like the underwear thing, right? Yeah, a little it bit. Just it's a not little... as good as some of the jokes I come up with. No, it's not. I probably should get a bunch of new jokes you should probably be a stand-up comic i think that would be an well, excellent job for you i'm you're def- like on your way <laughs> the jokes between the the owl story well that was a true story that wasn't the a joke. underwear joke that really happened and the, An the owl mutual joke i'm just i'm overwhelmed <laughs> jerry uh jerry nunn wait, is here what uh microphone are you on there? five, five? that's five you yeah. sure i'm positive jerry this is a true story and i was driving oh, no. my car one Again? time this really happened. We heard this. And an owl careened off my windshield. Like I was right. It was a big owl. It wasn't like a little owl. It's a mm. giant owl careened off my windshield. When was this? This was I I was driving home from WGN. Okay. And it happened and I said, "Who the heck was that?" Oh. But no, it's no, but it really it, happened. It really happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you like, like pull over fli- and see if it was okay? Flipped me out. No, I mean it kept flying. Oh. I mean, it just careened. I mean, it was it was oh like uh, I'm at a loss for words. I know. It was like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I'm thinking of that that uh, 
Thinking of the owl with uh, how many licks does it take? Right, <laughs> to get to the middle of a lollipop. Three. Glasses three on. it is. One, <laughs> a two, a three. three. And then smack <laughs> into the windshield. That's right.